you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Now, football is back. From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio, it's Around the NFL. The flagship program back for an 11th season. Dan Hans is here. Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler. Week one of the 2023 NFL season is here and now mark we talk about it that's what we do we, yeah. you know this is what we do it here is, and if we've been doing this because i um you know i will put my math skills to work if we've been doing this for 11 years yes and there are uh, floated between 17 and 18 weeks we've uh-uh. done 714 flagship sunday night shows that checks out to me i just double checked the math for you we're good that the numbers are correct do you mean like we're good, like we don't have to do this anymore? We, we, I know we don't need. No one needs to check that total. <laughs> that I, total is so incorrect, but I, I don't blame you. We're all feeling a little crazy. It was a nice little witching hour there with the late games. I just mainlined some coffee right before the show, as if I wasn't gonna be loud and annoying the, enough. Once we get completely, um, you know, over it all, who's the first of us to go full Jack Collinsworth and and, and force the sun into the studio? Oh well, Greg. Well, Greg has already crafted like a pro football robot. Um, my son will force himself. You guys know so little about uh, my relationship with my son to think. Yeah, we haven't been over I, your house in 12 years. That, that so I, let's start that there. I could, uh, There's walls. That <laughs> I, like physical walls, you know. That I could do like anything know. like I'm over, uh, Mark's house. Give me a break. <laughs> You're welcome anytime. Uh, big slate of week one action. A little bit of a funky week. But you know what? Yeah, we've been doing this for over a decade. Week one is funky. And I think the one thing to take away, I saw Kyle Brandt tweeted this, and I've always felt the same thing. There are teams that we're going to talk about today that played awesome, and they'll be nowhere to be seen when relevant football is played in January. The teams that looked like dog poop today that will get it together. So And players on both sides of that coin. Players, uh, this is not a time to panic. It's not a time to celebrate an incoming Super Bowl. But you know what? Part of the fun is reading too much yeah. into week one, and we're about to do that in some cases. When your team gets a bomb dropped on it in week one, there's no way that doesn't feel terrible. You can be as like philosophical and stoic right. about it as need be, but it's a terrible feeling I mean, this that, time of night. That L counts the same as it does in week 17 if you lose a big-time division matchup. I mean, yeah, it, well, it's, just, it sticks there. A lot of football, I guess, is, is That's the fair. point. Uh, and, and Mark, um, to that point, uh, after a lot of – excitement around the Pittsburgh Steelers it was time for real football to be played so yeah. let's start uh-huh. with a game that was played in Pittsburgh against a titan of the NFC they did pick up the first down stretch run coming left to McCaffrey stays play side breaks a tackle 45 block from Ayuk down the sideline 30 cuts back inside 20 still inbounds down the sideline a diving for the end zone touchdown <laughs> CMC and the dynamite explodes on his first run in the third quarter. Greg Papa, good to hear you again, buddy. And Tim Ryan with the call, KNBR. Healthy version of the 49ers, 49ers offense. It just feels unfair. Christian McCaffrey took any drama 
out of Pittsburgh with a 65-yard touchdown run to kick off the second half. The Niners cruise to a 30-7 win over a baffled-looking Steelers team. <laughs> um, boys, this was a compelling blowout because of what it said about both teams in Week 1. Let's start with the Niners, who look like the best team in football, quite frankly, at least this week in a dominating two-way effort. I am shocked by this. I mean, it's a big loss for the uh, player guys in the preseason brigade. Because who who played the most and looked the best in the preseason? The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas it's City Chiefs. Didn't didn't really help. I, I mean, it, you, there's so much to point to because I'm looking at the drive chart and, and the Steelers who looked as crisp and clean on offense as anyone because they had starters in there. But like, it's like you're searching for something to take away from in August, and I guess maybe none of it matters at all. They don't have a single drive in their first five marches that crosses five yards. This was your game, Dan. Like, what what happened to the Steelers? It, they just could not get it going. I mean, it started uh, with a three and out. Their next possession, Kenny Pickett threw into coverage, which he did a lot in this game. A receiver slipped, led to an interception. And then, you know, the uh, just started turned into a snowball effect. And before you knew it, uh, they were down three scores, and even when they were able to get a late touchdown at the end of the first half, it was the only time they showed any life on offense. It took them until, I believe it was one fifteen to play in the second quarter before they even had a first down. Oof. And to their credit, they uh, got that first down and went down the field about 90 yards um, and got on the board, and it made you think maybe, just maybe, they might make it a game. It was... Uh, it was within striking distance at that point, but that pitch to McCaffrey makes one cut. He's gone. Brandon Ayuk with a brilliant block on that run. Ayuk. Here's the other thing about this this Niners offense. If Brandon Ayuk is going to become a superstar this year, I mean, forget it. Turn out the lights because he looked unbelievable. Patrick Peterson got cooked up on the first touchdown. Uh, the second touchdown, it was again Ayuk on a beautiful Purdy throw right on the money with Patrick Peterson tight in coverage, but it didn't matter. Um, like I said, he, his blocking was on point, so he just played an elite game. I would imagine there's not going to be a PFF grade higher at wide receiver than mm. what Brendan Ayo gets in this game. So they, the defense turned it up on Pickett, who just, you know, and it is true. He looked good in the preseason, and the you heard all the positive talk about him taking the next step. He kind of played like butt in this game, and it was it, it's part of the concern for the Steelers, but he's not the only reason they lost. They just kind of no-showed on offense. There were a couple things you were thinking that the Steelers might be that they weren't at this time last year was an improved offensive line. They gave up five sacks. Um, that tells me also the Niners, like Steve Wilkes is like your 18th defensive coordinator in as many years, and the defense absolutely baffled uh, Pittsburgh's offense. I, it's like they couldn't run the ball. Um, I'm just For a lot of it con confirms for me what we – Hoped and thought about the Niners. I mean, a lot of it is a carryover, um, except Ayuk looks like he's leveled up, which um, I'll never forget Omar Ruiz coming into our in our newsroom in the middle of the summer, having been to camp and saying, he, I, we know he's good, but he's a completely different player. But we were like, question mark, who is Brock Purdy? It was last year a mirage. Was it real? And just like kind of scanning the first half plus of this, it was the version from last year. Well, I've mentioned how on the preview show how they've started slow over the last few years. And like this team just feels much more ready to go as long as they keep their health. I mean, you don't even have Nick Bosa playing like all the, all the snaps and making all the impact that he's going to make in the future. Nine QB hits, five sacks, 
eight tackles for loss, four passes defense. I mean, when you're when you're getting Drake Jackson, who is second year player, was quiet last year, had a, a bunch, a couple sacks in this game, and you're getting Cleveland Furl, the old Raiders bust, who's now like making plays. Like sure. they just have so many plays. And it, it was a disaster of a day for Pittsburgh. You you had, in addition to um, the lopsided score, Cam Hayward leaves the game with a groin injury. Uh, he didn't return. Deontay Johnson left the third quarter after hurting his hamstring on a 26-yard gain. He was gone. That didn't look after great. After that. And you just, you get, it was kind of a worst-case scenario. In fact, the only person that showed up for the Pittsburgh Steelers was T.J. Watt, who was a monster. He had three sacks and two forced fumble, fumbles, reco- recovered one of them. But that was it. Like, it was just, it was as one-sided as a game uh, as as you can imagine, and I think the the final score tells you that. The one other thing that I think is a, a takeaway from this game, um, Brock Purdy, his consistency, like you could put it in the bank. We talked before we started, Marcus. You have him in your fantasy team. Like, Devastated he, my opponent today. Right. By the way. Oh, congratulations. He might not be a guy that's going to win fantasy leagues, but if you need two touchdowns and. 220 yards passing or whatever, and just a steady performance. He's up to seven straight games in the regular season with two touchdown passes or more. He looked very healthy, very sharp. He took a couple of big hits in this game, so you got to keep an eye on that and, and, and the news to come in the upcoming days. But he got out of there healthy. I was a little surprised. Kyle Shanahan kept giving Christian McCaffrey the rock in the fourth quarter when yeah, this stop, game was stop that. This well, man does not need to be doing that. You got right. Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell was not a part of the game plan really. But yeah, when you when you when you get top tier and that, part of the thing about Ayuk is sometimes he's a little enigmatic. You don't know which version you're going to get of him. But when you get this guy and Debo's chipping in and Kittle who's quiet today does his thing. It's almost like in that passing game he has so many options, Purdy, and he's blocked up front well. Trent Williams got beat up a little bit in this game, too. Keep an eye on that. Uh, we have a Monday show now, by the way, which is good. That will track all these different injuries, guys that got banged up and the, and the subplots to watch. What a value add for the listener. Exactly. The passing game is so deadly that when you pitch it to Christian McCaffrey, it's like this is, feels unfair. It felt unfair on the field, and that's not what the Pittsburgh Steelers were expecting today. No, I would ask you this, though, because you're. I, I get it. Week one, everyone chill. It's a long season. Like There are Steelers fans out there tonight who I think th- thought this was a good bar for them, a good test, but that they would compete, and like they were not competitive. Like, Is there reason for panic, or is it just go back and start over? No, it's here? a good test. Next Monday night, they get the Browns, and we'll get to it, but... There's going to be a lot of pressure on them to show up, and Cleveland balled out. We're going to get to that soon on defense. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Pickett and that offense to show that this was just an aberration and they got mm. boat raced in a, in a surprise way. In, in a week where a lot of last year's superpowers, the best teams from last year, didn't look like the best teams in week one. It, it's nice to just see a 49ers group of marauders just like, we're here, we're superheroes. Absolutely. You're call- <laughs> you, you paralleled that, to, that effort to us? No, but oh, I, I like you where said, you're we're thinking. We're here. We're superheroes. I'm, I was I, like, we were already going I was, there. One game I was embodying. The- I was embodying the 49ers. Okay. I am the 49ers. Do you have any statement, Mark? You were obviously very high on the Steelers throughout the summer that you'd like to make before we move on. No, I'm going to take your uh, your typical route on this and say I, I I don't own any of this. It's a long season. We'll <laughs> talk to me. You know. Well, you've got they, they you've, they've got to get to 12. You have four losses. How many games to, are in the season? You have four losses to play with still. You yeah, have four well, losses to play with. That, one fine. down. One we're down. Feeling fine. We just played the best team in football, so. All right. We. Did I just say we for the Pittsburgh Steelers? <laughs> right, but. It's the dart gun. That's what I've always thought. Maybe there's a little reverse <laughs> jinx action in here, and you're off to a great start if that's the case. Yeah, true. Let's move on. Now, the other NFC superpower is the Philadelphia Eagles. 
they're going up to Foxborough, and it's going to be a cakewalk. Or is it? Now the Patriots are looking at a fourth down and 10-plus with 40 seconds and counting. Left here in the fourth quarter. Three receivers wide to the right. One left. Snap to Jones. Four-man rush. Max stands in. Throws it left for Boone. Got it. Got it. Rookie. He's in bounds. Uh, why do you got to do this? <laughs> get up and get a play. Let's go. Uh, time out, but remember, reviews initiated from the booth. And I don't think that left foot got in bounds. Hold that thought. Throwing on the field of a completed pass is under further review. Oh, you heard there from WBZ, the sentient Powerade bottle. Scott Zolak got excited. But it just wasn't happening in the end. The Eagles kept opening the door for the Patriots on Tom Brady Day in Foxborough, but Mac Jones and company could not bust in for an upset. The defending NFC champions holding on for a 25-20 win after Jones's fourth down conversion to Kayshawn Boutte was overturned on review in the final minute. Greggy, tough one for you. Bittersweet for you. You love your Eagles and your heart is in Western Mass. This game started out looking like a laughter, but, you know, the Patriots made it close. They just couldn't get over the hole. I mean, it's not bittersweet. I'm rooting for the Patriots in this game, and uh, it was a huge missed opportunity. You could talk the whole offseason about all this stuff and who's built up the Eagles and their depth charts and what the Patriots have done with Bill O'Brien, and then you get to week one, and the Patriots, I think, clearly outplayed the Eagles in this game. I mean, they outgained them by, what, 150 and a lot of the game, and there's a lot we can get into, but comes down to Kayshawn Booty, an undrafted rookie who's in the game partly because Devontae Parker ended up uh, being ruled out right. late in the week, not dragging his foot down on two different plays. That wasn't mm. the only one. He killed two different drives like that. Another was on a deep, nice throw by Mac Jones, and that ended up being a punt at a moment where they were moving the ball pretty well. And... You could take positives that the defense looked much better and that they outplayed them. But ultimately, there still were a lot of mental errors, uh, including uh, a late uh, penalty that they took for not getting a playoff in time on fourth and 12, which was was just surprising to see. So there were just little things that they still made mistakes, even if the overall uh, defense especially, but the overall team looked better than it did a year ago. It's a difficult, frustrating loss for Patriots fans because – you wipe out the first part of this game and you get what they had what they were for the final like 70% and they beat the Eagles but that first five offensive drive set pick six fumble then three straight three and outs it's like it took a while for these guys to get yeah. going and and I would say one thing like if you're re- relying on that wide receiver at the end of the game I know there was an injury here with Parker but like this is a team that did not stock up on offense at that position. And, like, you're in week one in that situation. That should be, like, a late November deal where, like, a bunch of guys go down. And it's like that's not the right personnel to go beat the Super Bowl NFC defending t- titleists. No, they already feel like a little bit of a, a banged-up team at, at wide receiver and throughout the roster. And, you know, Jacoby Myers, by the way, had some success in his Raiders debut. So they are short at, at playmakers for Mac Jones. So they have a better scheme, Greggy. But it's obviously a work in progress. Um, on offense still. The Eagles side of it, Greg, like 
what I'm looking at, you know, Jalen Hurts, his numbers aren't popping off the screen. What was not working for this team? Because you factor in the pick six and they didn't really roll on offense. in this. Right. Game. So to, for a little background, the, the Eagles were up 60, nothing very quickly, a pick six on a drop pass in the rain, not a good throw by Mac Jones. And then another quick short field touchdown where they took it over after Ezekiel Elliott fumbled. And after that, they had four straight three and outs. They couldn't run the ball. It was all Kenny Gainwell. So that, that was a surprise, I think, to fantasy owners. N- almost nothing of, of DeAndre Swift or, or anyone else. Uh, Hertz had a couple nice individual plays, but it wasn't really the called QB runs that were doing it either. I think Christian Gonzalez and the Patriots defense did a really good job, but they, they were disjointed. Uh, it was one of the worst you know Eagles offensive performances we've seen in a long time. Four yards per play, 250 yards. I think Belichick threw a lot at them schematically and and did a nice job. There were a couple drives late where A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith won their one-on-one matchups, and, and that was enough. And you got Jake Elliott booting bombs off the crossbar. or They didn't have a great kicker. Three kicks in the rain over 48 yards. They might not win this game. Like So do you see um, an issue with the double coordinator switch, switch, which I did not really? Was it was it weather? It's like Jalen Hurts had an uncharacteristic fumble at this point. They're kicking field yes. goals, not scoring touchdowns. They have four straight punts at one point. I mean, this is this doesn't look like any box score from last year's Eagles team. They were very conservative when they got the lead as if it was like the fourth quarter, like making some runs on third and 10 and not going for any points late in the first half. So I think it was partly the weather. It was driving rain early about the first quarter. Then then it let up. And I think it was more about what I believe to be a top five defense uh, playing well for the most part at every level and five months for Bill Belichick to plan for this game. I hmm. Romo kept pointing it out. You can scheme for this game. You know, this opponent all summer long. And I, I think the Patriots defense is going to be difficult for, for most offenses to deal with. Were you okay with, uh, what gave New England that second life after the Henry failure to convert on the drop? They had fourth and two Philly at New England's 44. They go into shotgun. So they could either, you know, they could have punted and buried him back there. They go in shotgun, they pass it incomplete, and that opened the door for New England to have one more shot. Well, I was okay with it as a Patriots fan. Yeah, you got Christian Gonzalez, the first-round pick out there, who looks like a real yeah. dude. And uh, to answer your question, the way that game was going, I actually thought, wow, the Patriots have a better chance of stopping him here than I think they do of going 90 yards. I would have felt differently at almost any point last season, but the way this game had been going, it was so disjointed. I thought, okay, they can maybe get a stop here, and they did. And so that was... One case where Nick Sirianni was very aggressive and it didn't work out. One worrisome aspect for the Eagles, I think, was they just did not get much pressure on Mac Jones. He, he threw the ball 54 times. I know there were some hurries and hits and sacks, but he threw the ball 54 times with two rookie guards starting for injuries. There's all sorts of injuries on the mm. Patriots offensive line, but they did a good job protecting. They could not run the ball whatsoever against Eagles big front, but a little surprised how, how little uh, pressure they got the on Eagles Mac. had 70 sacks a year ago and we came in a week ago thinking like the Patriots offensive line right. might and, be an apocalypse. Right, and they got two in this game. And they totally stuffed Ramondre Stevenson and Zeke for the most part on the ground. But but passing, they did a bad job. Interesting. We shall see. I mean, Philly gets the win, but everything seemed to be just come so easily to that team. Is it, is it going to be the same way this year? In week one, it wasn't easy, but they got it done. Let's now move to the best game of the day. We were just getting warmed up. Let's head across the sidewalk. SoFi Stadium. Dolphins up by two. The Chargers have the football deep in their own territory. 
They got a big they got him. They go! They go! They got him again! <laughs> they blitzed them. They did not pick up the blitz. I mean, it was wide open. <laughs> oh, and the cut to Vic Fangio. I love it. And the bongos are out. <laughs> you know you made a huge play when your QB throws for 466 and Tyree goes over 200, and we're talking a sack. But that sack was yeah. the difference for the Miami Dolphins, who score a 36-34 win over the Chargers in a great back-and-forth shootout. The door had been left open, a missed extra point after the second Tyreek Hill touchdown from Tua. I think I predicted 37-34. Ooh, good job by you. I won't go back On and the check, preview. so I just would like to say but, good job. Know, make the extra point. I don't know if that's right, but yep. uh, keep those bongos going, bro. Um, <laughs> but, but what a performance. What a great game, but what a performance by Tua and company. And let's welcome in a man who watched this game. I watched it, too, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. The great Nick Shook. Look at him. Back for another year on the flagship show. Shook, we got the shootout we wanted, uh, and it was glorious. Glorious indeed. Uh, as somebody who's tasked with writing the what we learned. I was going to uh, ask you, back, how do you do this? <laughs> that would have yeah, really. This game. That would have sent Mark into a dark place. I would have got. Yeah. I would have. I would have Ubered home and like, <laughs> right complained to us about it the whole time. <laughs> Late in the fourth, I'm just sitting there going, "What did I learn from this game? I, I don't even know." <laughs> um, I think one thing I learned, because Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Herbert are forever linked because of where they were drafted, and I have received so much hate from Dolphins fans over the last three years. Anytime I praise Justin Herbert, because they always have to make up for their insecurity regarding Tua Tungavailoa. Well, guess what, Dolphins fans? You got your answer today. Mm. You're no mm. longer insecure. He threw for 466 yards, three touchdowns. He completed 28 of 45 passes. Tyreek Hill went for 215. They were down late, and they moved down the field effortlessly. It was a fantastic offensive performance in a shootout. And despite the final score, I even liked some of the things I saw from their defense. They've got a lot to clean up, but the way they closed that game, that's the potential of that Dolphins defense. So for those of you who are Dolphins fans, who are constantly checking Charger scores and box scores and finding reasons <laughs> to poke holes in Justin Herbert, you don't need it anymore. You got well, it today. This is your this okay. is your Super Bowl. This I like this. I, you know what? It's a it's a this is not this is a battle that was won by two of the war. Well, we'll see who wins the war yeah. and who had the right draft pick. But like when you see the sicko version of the Dolphins offense pop up again this year, it gets you really excited if you're a Dolphins fan because for two reasons. The fact that they made it, like you said, Shook, looks so easy carving up mm. a Chargers defense that we were pumping up as a, a defense that could do some things this year. Um, and that was simple. Vic Fangio on the D. Now, not, their, not a shining day for their defense, at least statistically, uh, but Fangio... You know, as the season goes on, they're going to start to gel and figure things out. Jalen Ramsey's down on the horizon maybe as well. So they're probably going to get better as things go along. So if they keep to it upright, and he, this offense is going to have big-time days like this and uh, just a perfect start for the season. Nick, I, Nick, I think like, to me the difference between this and maybe if you think about that 
Bills game early last season and some of the, the great Tua performances there was Tua was making throws in this game that were because he's special. It, I mean, the scheme was great, but some of those throws were just outrageous. And that's what you think of with, when it's Justin Herbert. And it, it was weird because Justin Herbert's just kind of moving the ball down the field and they're running the ball. But Tua, to me, made throws in this game. And Tyreek Hill helped him out a lot with those late hands on that game-winning touchdown. But his throws were all about him being excellent, not just the scheme. Last drive alone, he had two great throws of Tyreek Hill. The one that you just mentioned, he also had one down the right side where he just dropped it right mm. over the defender. And it was a beautiful pass. And, and the funny thing is, is I saw somebody tweet, Tua is like the master of getting just enough on a throw, like not, not, not too much and not too little. I think that there's an argument to be made that he does sometimes leave too little on the ball. But today was not that day. Today, he was putting it in all these different places, just putting it right on his guys, operating the offense efficiently, I mean, it looked effortless at times, and and the the pairing with Tyreek is just it's something it's it's marvelous. It truly is. Like I, 215 yards is nothing to you know scoff at, of course, statistically. But the way it looked was so much more than that. The way Tyreek ran his routes and got himself open, the way Tua would flow with the play action fake and find somebody, whether it was Tyreek or it was River Craycraft or somebody else, he was operating this offense as if he'd been there for a decade, and he's healthy, and that's this is what the Dolphins can be. It's just like you guys said, he's got to stay healthy. Yeah. yeah, it's like the polar opposite of that Monday night meltdown from a year ago when these two teams faced each other. I would ask you from a Chargers side, because I didn't love this, that it's 31-30. Um, they're driving down the field, the Chargers, and you get that illegal holding on the Dolphins. It puts them right at Miami's doorstep. They're thwarted and come out with a field goal. It's then 34-31. The Dolphins go 34-30. The Dolphins go do what they do. And then the, the, the final drive, they were in a tough spot, but... Jalen Phillips is unblocked twice. Like him, he there's two there's two takedowns. You've got a problem here where like you there's an intentional grounding on Justin Herbert. And like yet I would say this like do you come out of this game looking at the Kellen Moore approach to this offense because there was a lot of like pre snap motion. Um, they were highly productive in another world. We're talking about the Chargers not folding at the end of the game, but they did. But do you think that there's <laughs> maybe like a different type of dash of optimism? for what this offense can be versus uh, how he was stuck last year, I thought, Justin Herbert, in the wrong type of scheme. No, it's the same thing. It's the same it Chargers is, no, BS. I, I do think it's a different type of offense for him. I sure, do. sure. It's a different play caller, but this is this is the same stuff. Like, they couldn't find a way again. Yeah, but that's Brandon Staley's defense as much as anything else, though. But that's part of it, too, with this team. Right. I'm they just saying, do you think that Herbert's in a better environment to, you know, 16 weeks from now, yes, we forget about this yes, one, and yes. just say, this is a good news. I mean, in that other world, I'm a millionaire. So, you know, we, we can't always, sure. you know, get the best of everything here. But I, I mean, I points. agree. Yes. The 34 points, again, nothing to scoff at. But my one concern with them, this is something that happened a lot, especially when Austin Eckler was hurt last year, was when he's out of the ball game, their offense is just not as good. Yeah, now, but... he looked like he got a little dinged in this game and kind of like hobbled off a little bit. And he did play throughout the fourth quarter, but he didn't have the same role. And in that situation that you just described, where they're on the doorstep and a touchdown and maybe a two-point conversion could end this game. Yeah. They didn't go to him. They looked like they didn't know what to do. And they were mixing tempo. It was noted on the broadcast. They were mixing up tempo. Then they went up tempo going into that third down play as if they were going to catch him in a personnel mismatch when you're seven yards away from the end zone Mm. and you're forcing yourself to throw. And guys don't even – they're not on the same page. So 
I think that there is potential there, but a lot of the same issues are still. Yeah, but they they were the worst running team in the league last year. They ran for 234 yards. This is very different. They talked all offseason. We're going to be a north-south running team. You got Joshua Kelly going for 91 yards. You got Austin Eckler going for 117. That's the story if the defense can make any stops. I mean, they kind of did what they wanted in terms of being a power running team. That's positive. But give Mike McDaniel a lot of credit. They got the ball with nine seconds left in the first half, and they tried to score. And they did score. And you see all these coaches not try to score. They they get a 25-yard play, and then they get a P.I., and then they kick the field goal. They also got a touchdown on a drive where they went for it on fourth and seven. So you came into the league being the dork hero, Brandon Staley, but Mike McDaniel took your crown. You got a little scared over the last couple of years. That's all being aggressive, and that, to me, is a huge difference. Those three points they got at the end of the first half are the difference. There, there is an asterisk there, though, and it, it is the roller coaster ride that is the J.C. Jackson experience. Um, he had a terrible P.I. on that play. There's no reason that he should have been right. But that's that why you go for it situation. in that situation, just to just to make him make a mistake. He also had an interception where he tried to bring it out of the end zone, and then they had the ball on their own two yard line, and couldn't do uh. anything with that takeaway. But and then he also gave up a touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill, who just toasted him down the sideline. Wow, very up and down there. And um, it should be noted that the Dolphins also went straight down the field on the first possession of the game and then had a muff snap. Uh, so they they were they did whatever they wanted in this game. Uh, uh, Tua had a pick as well, but he was brilliant. And I don't think maybe sometimes we give Tyreek Hill enough credit like for how different he is. This is a Hall of Famer who has been everything the Dolphins have, could have asked for and more, quite frankly. Uh, and we, we saw it again in this game. That is interesting, uh, and that Chargers defense has to get better. We, 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 think? We, might have to, we might have to rewatch this game uh, as our NFL Plus game. I think we might have Ooh. this tomorrow. No! Oh, no. Who? Well, you know who. Oh. They were honking up a storm. I see your little tweets, Nick Wesseling. Oh. And come come with a week one win if you're going to lock up a, a That was loss. a daring lock, though, and, and, and frankly, a strategically bizarre lock. Well, that's kind of a in the in the Cincinnati Zoo. Sometimes they they they're a little flip, and that's what happened here. Zero and one, they joined me in that world. Let's well, head now. Yes, yeah, so let's head to Cleveland, uh, Shooky, your hometown, where the Browns made a statement. Burrow actually, the last time they had the ball on a fourth down and three, wanted to go and was upset when they sent the punt team on. Now they're going at the 31. They need the 35. Fourth down and four. Burrow claps his hands. He wants the ball. He's got the ball up in the pocket. They chase him right. They got him, and they knock him down. Miles Garrett got him. All the way back inside the 20-yard line. The Browns have the ball. That is my Defensive Player of the Year pick, everybody. Miles Garrett chasing down a bewildered Joe Burrow for a sack that basically put the kibosh on any hopes for the Bengals uh, in a 24-3 Browns win in Cleveland. Joe Burrow freshly signed to a deal that made him the highest paid player in NFL history. Could not move a Cincy offense that managed just 142 yards total. And Shooky, I mean, listen. What? You died in the world. 142? Browns fan. It's been quite a ride the last couple of years. This is a dream start uh, for Cleveland. Yeah, um, my 
longtime best friend went to the game today and has not stopped texting me since he left the game. <laughs> and just to confirm that the Browns did in fact win this game because it does not happen in Cleveland in week one. <laughs> What's really the last time ever. that happened? When is last uh, year? 2000, at home, at home, 2004. Jeff Garcia <laughs> led them to a victory over the Baltimore Ravens, who also only Oof. scored three points that day. Fun fact. If three, uh, three opening week wins since 99. That's absurd. Six yeah. first downs for the Bengals. I, I can't believe it. Uh, they went three and out. Let's see. Eight, nine times. <laughs> I mean, it was just it was an abysmal performance. This is a team that has Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Joe Mixon. And they showed life on exactly one possession and got in field goal range and converted that field goal. Evan McPherson missed his second field goal. The weather was bad. I'll give you that. But the other team put 24 points on the board. You put three on the board. I've never seen a team from one year to the next. And this is the Browns team that has been absolutely horrible defensively for the last few years under Joe Woods transform with a new defensive coordinator. They played with a different emotion and intention, like that the passion and the attitude was completely different blanket coverage throughout this game. The additions they made in the front four showed up. They got after Burrow all day. He was never comfortable. They, that's why a big reason why they couldn't move the football. And then they just slowly tacked on points because their offense wasn't really doing that much in the rain either. Um, remarkable. If they could play like this on a weekly basis, I would actually feel really good about their chances to win the division and be a legitimate contender in the conference. It's only one week, but uh, it, it was what a, a week it was well, they, between last year and this year. They've done this to Cincinnati before. And like, we kind of talked about this in the preview show that there's some sort of um, weird connection between these two teams where Burrow's going to get a game a year where he's absolutely massacred by the Stevens. But these guys look different. I mean, this has to be one of the wildest stats of the game. T Higgins targeted eight times without a single catch. That I mean, like these guys that went and, you know, they've felled the Chiefs multiple times. They are considered the class of the AFC, or at least one of the t top two. And Cleveland's defense under Jim Schwartz, that you're right, that coordinator switch um, probably should have happened a year earlier. Um, but Jim Schwartz, uh, for all the people that it's like, oh, it's Lions head coach, you know, it's <laughs> middle of the road. Like, he can coach up a defense. And they, they added all these pieces. And sometimes those things work out, sometimes they don't. But it's like Miles Garrett on that last play, he has not had support around him in years. And so if he does now, and we already saw what he did without support, it's kind of scary because even guys like Grant Delpit today were like showing up in a way where it's like, Delpit. I haven't seen this guy play this way before against a team like this. I don't, I don't know what to yeah. think. Yeah, that speaks to the transformation is that guys like Grant Delpit, who was lost in Joe Wood's defense, was arguably their best defender today. He led the team in tackles. He was there to clean up multiple uh, receptions, stopping guys short of the sticks on third down all over the field, all day. Every defensive back was really like that. No matter where they threw him, they were always right in the hip pocket. I was just completely stunned by how effective they were and consistent they were after how bad they'd been with arguably the same personnel, save for some changes in the front four. But you're right, Mark. You know, Miles Garrett does have a little bit of help this time. Zadarius Smith looked really good in his first game with the Browns, and the changes that they made really contributed to a, a total defensive effort to where we didn't have to talk about whether Deshaun Watson played well or not because they were so good defensively, it didn't matter. It's crazy getting Jadavian Clowney out of a locker room, what that could do. Is oh, no, it's stop. transformative. Um, <laughs> Joe Burrow had 2.6 yards per attempt. That is like, that's that's blame, that's sub-Gabbard zone. That's half of the Gabbard zone. I do like his comments, though. He, he owned it and sort of said, like, this is what happens when your guy doesn't see you know, training camp practices or reps or even a single preseason snap that like, yeah, they had a slow start last year. He's had the, one of the worst luck for off seasons around by star quarterback. And it happened again and it showed up again.
Well, they also uh, it, that was really evident when they in that game. It's just that like they looked like they were rusty, like they hadn't had a lot of reps together. But for you stat nerds, just to finish that point there, Joe Burrow completion percentage over expected negative thirteen point nine today. Hmm. His worst CPOE performance of his career. If it feels it feels more significant than them steamrolling the Bengals in very similar fashion in prime time halfway through last season. I mean, that did happen, but that did happen. And that's why, where we started the show wondering like, okay, which week one games are going to totally stick. Is this just a division thing to me? Just from the outside, it says probably more about where the Browns could go defensively than it does about the, the Bengals. Uh, but, but it's, it's concerning. Um, Jamar chase after the game, he had made some comments. Apparently I'm sure you were tracking it. Shook about elves mocking your mascot guy at center mascot guy uh, yeah yeah it i don't was, know um, exactly what it is oh, it's, a myth- don't know. it's a mythical bean they paint the elf on the field you know the right i know guy. that but i still don't know like what it is and how it relates to the browns i've never quite Bit grasped of a throwback what... but it's a fair question i think anyway, that's what jamar was getting at uh jamar chase uh, in the locker room not happy and and owning up to uh maybe you shouldn't have said so much about that it's frustrating because I called the ass elves and we just lost to some elves. So I'm pissed on my part. I'm not. I'm pissed on Allen that. And um, like I said, man, we got missed opportunities. We didn't capitalize on that, shit and we lost. And that's how we lost. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Rough, rough start for Cincinnati. Um, let's talk about the quarterbacks real quick. Did Burrow real quick? Did Burrow look healthy to you? Was he moving yeah. well? Okay. And then yeah, he looked fine. He just looked like he was harassed the whole day. We should mention since our last show, he signed a contract that makes him the richest player in the league. In the, oh, you did, you did, did. you did. And then uh, Deshaun Watson. Greg should mention it though. Uh, after you yes. mentioned it, uh, Deshaun Watson. Obviously, he was not the deciding factor in this game. What did you see from him in the uh, sloppy conditions? Uh, early pressure made him very um, skittish, and it took him a while to settle in. He missed a lot of throws. Some of that had to do with weather. It was similar to what Burrow was doing, which is a lot of these passes just died just right into the ground. Both him and Watson were doing that. Uh, some of them were just bad throws, but he did put it together on a few drives. There was one drive that ended in a Jerome Ford fumble where he was pretty solid, and then he threw a touchdown pass late in that game as well. So I, I give him like a C-plus, B-minus effort. I mean, it wasn't great, but you know, it, they won the game. Maybe he won't have to do it all alone on this team the way it looked in week one. Shooky, you are flying high. I could tell you got a little skipped in your step. Enjoy <laughs> your Sunday night, and uh, we'll see you again next week. I'll skip on out of here, guys. I'll see you. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's take a break, and then we will continue onward. Week one, the flagship program. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, welcome back. It's time now for the Sunday Drive presented by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Hit it. Fields takes the snap, scans the secondary with time. Now fires it over the middle. Intercepted. Walker at the 30 to the 25. Cutting right, breaks a tackle, spins to his left. What? Oh, Oh, big funk behind the glass. He's a Packers fan, right? He had his 
arm up and finger outstretch like Namath at the Orange Bowl. Gotta be loving 69. this 69. Watching, uh, you know, listen, we were told, and that was, of course, Wayne Larravee, WRNW. We were told, is this the Bears' time to take over the NFC North? Not so fast. The Packers began life without Aaron Rodgers with an easy 28-20 win in, in Soldier Field. It was not as close as that final score seems to indicate. Mark, Jordan Love gets a victory in his first week one start, and the Green Bay defense didn't seem to be phased by Justin Fields and his new collection of weapons. They were not phased by Chicago's offensive line, that is for sure, and I'll get to that in a second. But at, be before that pick six happened, which obviously the game – Fully out of hand at that point. Um, you know, we went into this thing wondering, well, maybe post Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron, if, if if love is just middle of the road, then a team like Chicago, who was getting a lot of positive buzz for months, um, might be ready to make a leap and become an eight and nine win team. They've got a long way to go. And I, I want to just say like the Jordan love, like for all the years of like being in the middle of this Aaron Rodgers um, brouhaha, just came out and had an incredible game. For, and I thought he got better and better as the game went on. Mm. There was a on the drive before that pick six. There's a moment where um, Love took a snap, bobbled it to his feet, uh, had the awareness to pick it back up, um, looked down the field, and a lot of times he did a good job of, the, of of looking off the first guy. You know, it's like a little bit beyond his time on that front. Um, in this case, whipped it 37 yards downfield to Luke Musgrave, who made a pretty great catch, but then kind of fell apart at that point. Um, minutes later. Romeo Dobbs, like pinpoint pass in the end zone, his third touchdown of the day. Um, you come out of Whoa. this looking at Jordan Love and saying, Jordan Love's third touchdown. Oh, okay. You come out of this looking at what he did in this start um, with a lot of people not around him. I mean, Jaden Reed got hurt at one point. Um, no Christian Watson. So you're working with what you have. And I just thought he made play after play. It wasn't perfect out of the gate. Um, but then you get Aaron Jones, who just dominated Chicago's defense. And I think I look at Chicago and it's like outside of Yannick Ngakwe, you can't really rush the passer. And if you're Justin Fields, who got brutalized in this, it's like we saw him get hurt down the stretch last year. Their offensive line put Justin Fields in peril over and over. And this is a good defense. This is the best you're going to face. Uh, they went and spent a lot of resources on their offensive line, draft picks, added some guys, and it just didn't look like it's it. A it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare start was, it for was, Chicago. And, and, like, it was in Chicago, and I cannot I, – I will watch the rest of these games. We all will, but it's like – I, I don't really recall too many games where it started with such a crescendoing um, sense of hope at Soldier Field. And then by the end of the third quarter, well, booze raining down. Total yeah, frustration, old frustration. We talked about it on Thursday. What an opportunity this was as a clean the slate, new era in the NFC North, new era for the Bears. And again, what we said at the top of the show, it's just one week. But when Justin Fields, in what's supposed to be a superstar year after you gave up a chance to have the number one overall pick, can't get protected, and it still looks like the same old Bears uh, blocking. And then you, after years of Aaron Rodgers bullying you, <laughs> you let Jordan Love come into your building and throw three touchdowns. It's just not a good look, Greggy. And it's one week, but you're going to have to win in Lambeau Field later in the season, or you got swept by your division rivals. Like, these division games in week one mean a little more to me, and this one especially – I, I just wonder, like, what is your identity if 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 you're the Bears? Because if you're the Packers, you think, man, Watson didn't even suit up for this game. 
Bakhtiari did. I, I want to apologize to, to our listeners for just making it sound like David Bakhtiari is not going to play in this game. I should have known he is the greatest of all time of never practicing and just playing anyways. I mean, he had yeah, he looks good. He had Mexico Burst was like, whoa, 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 hold the phone. <laughs> he hadn't practiced in like three weeks, and he was and he he made the Allen Iverson uh, joke after after the game. He's like, practice, like I, I don't need practice, and he takes veteran weeks, not he, days. Right, he's yeah. out there, and they got three QB hits on him. Where on the other side, the Packers have to feel good. Lucas Van Ness makes a play. Devontae Wyatt makes a play. Some of their young guys. It's like, this is a very good organizational type of win for LaFleur. I'm sure this was very Yeah, they satisfying. kept like kind of flashing up to Bears management and you could just oh, sort of no. see like, well, the rebuild is just, this is a legit rebuild. You were the worst team in the league last year. Uh, I thought that, you know, DJ Moore, I was like, is DJ Moore going to like help Fields make a jump and a leap? And it's like, they've got to find a way to get him involved earlier. He didn't even get a target until like their third or fourth drive. He was drive. targeted twice the entire game. Right. So, um, but I will say one thing on this, on one drive, he had doing? two catches. And that is when I thought maybe the Bears can turn this around because DJ Moore is the kind of wide receiver that Bears fans automatically, he's physical. They just like, right. you could tell they loved him, but then he vanished. Totally but, gone. So he was targeted twice in one drive yeah. and then never again before it, or after. They, I mean, but also that speaks to. Eberflus, what it, are we doing? It speaks to the total chaos that Fields was dealing with. It was yeah. like he had a bad fumble at one point. Just like Fields is not going to survive, or I guess he won't. It's going to be tough to grow if this is what he's dealing with. It's a bad combo, too, because he holds onto the ball a lot, and he takes a little while sometimes to make his decision. So that combination with a bad offensive line just kind of compounds it. Oof. Yeah, and as bad as the start was for the Bears, like we're saying, perfect. I mean, in a very sensitive time for the Packers as an organization, Aaron Rodgers is about to take the field for the Jets on Monday Night Football. Now you can go watch that game and be like, oh, Aaron, whatever. Yep. And how yeah, about we're moving forward? And good, you know, it's like, oh, Matt LaFleur only winning games because Aaron Rodgers was there. Like, this was a great job by him preparing everyone to get to this place. Stick it up your ass. We can do it without Aaron. That's what they're <laughs> saying now. And that was the Sunday Drive presented by Toyota. Let's go places. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. All right, let's keep on moving. First down will essentially end this game. Broncos only have one time out left. Hooper, the tight end, goes to the right in motion. Here come the Broncos with pressure. They pick it up. Garoppolo, still with time in the pocket. Escapes out to the 35. Gets to the 30. And he gets out of a tackle at the 25. Stays in bounds. And it is the first down. Garoppolo with his legs. About to seal this game for the Raiders here in Denver with an eight-yard scramble. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Jason Horowitz I on the missed call. the note on that shared. Uh, well, I, it, I'm just watching the monitor the there, and Jimmy Garoppolo was swagger incarnate when he got up from yes. that. That was awesome. And you hear it all the time about Jimmy G. Maybe not the most talented quarterback, certainly not the most uh, durable passer, but his teammates love him. He's a, he's a good leader on that team, and this is the type of win. 17-16 over the Broncos in Denver that really kind of provides a lift for a Raiders organization that, you know, in the, in the week leading up to the game, there's some bad vibes around this team. And, and for Jimmy G to make that scramble, not known for making plays with his legs and seal that game, big time, big time for Jimmy G and company. A one-point win. Uh, Garoppolo threw two touchdown passes to fellow newcomer Jacoby Myers in the game, and Sean Payton's start with the Denver Broncos is not as he envisioned it either. So I thought this was an interesting game. It wasn't the uh, maybe the most exciting game, but it was a it was two teams that, are to me, felt very evenly matched, and you saw it. It went right down to the end. 
with the Raiders taking it. Well, and it was there was the first kind of there were a lot of injuries today, but uh, in for around the league, but um, out of the gate, it was like the first time our newsroom had sort of a, a collective sigh was that you saw mm. Jimmy G. Uh, you know, on the ground with what looked like maybe a head injury, but then bang, he comes back in um, and it seemed to completely change things. It's like I have been as down on the Raiders um, as possible. I don't think the Broncos are a Super Bowl contender here. So, uh, you know, you eked out a nice win. But when I look across the way, um, Sean Payton's number one chore was fixing up Russell Wilson. And it looks like we got a bit of a different version. It wasn't an explosion, but cleaner. I thought he was pretty good. I, I, I don't think he he didn't look like maybe the playmaker uh, of yesteryear during his Seattle heyday, but certainly cleaner, um, moved well, I thought, in and around the pocket, threw two touchdown passes, threw good balls to Myers on the, on the scores. There were other plays that kind of got bogged down. Um, there was a lot of dinking and dunking, you know, average 5.2 yards per attempt. So, you're gonna pop it in there, and you're gonna say, "All right, he's uh, he had a he had a, was very fortunate to have a um, a fumble early in the third quarter, um, overturned on penalty, but overall did you know a better job protecting the football, which is something that was a, a major issue for him last year. He only took two sacks in this game. That was an improvement. So, yeah, it looks like he's better coached. He looks physically better, and he's moving better. Uh, but still, they scored 16 points right. in this game at home, and it's like. You just wonder who's who's the playmaker on this team right now because I don't I don't see the guy jumping out at us. Well, the leading receivers were a running back and a tight end. Right, it was Samaje P. Ryan was the leading receiver, and Adam Troutman, uh, who Sean Payton brought brought over from New Orleans, is like a backup level tight end. It's worrisome. Jerry Judy didn't play in this game, and I heard a lot of positive. I was, yeah, I was curious of how Russell Wilson looked because they ended that second quarter well, and everyone's like, "Wow, that was almost a perfect half." By Russell Wilson, but then you do look up at the end of the game, and they end up with 260 yards of offense and 22 first downs. So that to me tells me you're about as unexplosive as possible. Like you're struggling to get to that first down, and then you get to it again. And it is one of those games that when you look at the stats, there was only six drives by the Broncos. There might not be a team all season that has let. That's about the minimum you can possibly have. Wow. So it's just like one of those long, slow drive type of games where neither team really has the ball much. Yeah, and I, I think maybe the, the difference for this game with Wilson was it was kind of similar to the stilted offense of last year uh, with with um, Hackett, but without the turnovers and all those back-breaking mistakes that he was making. Well, that's so a big difference. It's progress. <laughs> I think if you're a Broncos fan, it's like, all right, it looked a little better, but now we got to get we got to get Jerry Judy on the field. We got to get Cortland Sutton more involved. Uh Dolchitz, their tight end, he goes out with an injury. He's mm. an important player for them as well. So you take him out of the mix. I don't know if it's a serious injury. We'll know more uh by tomorrow, you know. But there you go. That's, I, that's I a did nice like, one for the Raiders. I did like Sean Payton right out of the gate back in the league, goes for the onsides kick on the opening kick, and it seemed like they maybe got it, and then they reversed it, and that yes. like, sort of deflating. Bringing back memories of the Super Bowl with the Saints when they, they – that is so Sean Payton, by the way. Totally. I love it. It's it, it's a move that screams like, you know, I'm a pretty gutsy guy. F you, I everyone. take chances. Hey, look at me. That's part of it's, it as well. It's also a little bit like I've been saying, like a guy playing <laughs> the greatest hits at the end of his well, that's career. What I mean. you know? A little bit that is like, hey, look at me. Remember when I did that? I'm doing it again because I'm back. It was a little bit about, and it it's came cool, within a hair of being recovered, which would have been badass, but it wasn't. So the Broncos close, but no cigar. Raiders get the win, and good job because you got Buffalo next week and the Steelers the week after that. So 
that's a big W to get. Let's keep. Apparently, the Steelers are an object of nothing at this point, though. Well, this week they were. Okay. But you never know, Mark. Hang in there. I'm already slightly peaked by the season. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't watched that game yet, have you? It's going to be even crazier when you watch it. It was, it was that bad. Let's move on to another game that didn't make any sense based on what we perceived football to be ahead of Sunday. Let's head to Seattle. Fourth and goal from inside the line. Acres the single back. Stafford under center. Brings Tutu in motion. It's a toss left to Akers. He'll go. Oh, that was easy. Untouched on fourth and goal from the one. Akers to Paydirt. And the Rams have a double-digit lead. Oh, they talk about, oh, Los Angeles. It's just a big sprawl of a city. That's J.B. Long. Guess what? Me and J.B. go to the same barber. Small town life in the big city. A, a great friend and neighbor of, of the Wesselings and a friend of our show. How about that? I guess it is a community. <laughs> Point made. <laughs> Rams Radio, J.B. Long. Bayberry by the sea. There it is. Uh, Matthew Stafford threw for 334 yards. Without Cooper Cup, Cam Akers jogged into the end zone. One of three touchdown runs. And the Rams stunned the Seahawks. 30-13. to 13 What? In Seattle. The Pacific Northwest in shock. Mark, you're in shock. You locked them up. I am, again, I said there's already a couple things that are thorns in the side. No! I like a good comeback story. Same (laughs) Z's. Matt Stafford, 58, 300-yard passing game in his career. I like that because it's like a Matt Stafford, hey, I'm not dead. I'm not dead yet. I won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Oh, Cooper Cup's not playing. We're going to win three games. Look what we just did. Nice job by Matty Stafford and Cup. I mean, not just I'm not dead. Maybe I'm the best quarterback in the league this week. I don't know if I saw a quarterback play any better. I know fantasy-wise you didn't get a touchdown out of it. That's unfortunate. You got three short rushing touchdowns, two out of Kyron Williams, who might be a nice little fantasy pickup for you. But Stafford took these young receivers Puka Nakua we've been talking him up in this offseason 10 for 119 are you kidding me uh, a rookie third round pick Tutu Outwell give credit to Sean McVay he's been trying to make Tutu Outwell a thing for three years he's finally a thing six for 119 two receivers I think 23 years and under going over 100 How yards about that? and Stafford putting dimes all over the field a couple of throws that just almost no other quarterback in the NFL could make and really supporting what everyone said that was up at Rams camp that said like, man, Stafford looks good this preseason and he looked trim. There was a great run that he made that was very crucial. And I came out of this game just thinking, my God, Matthew Stafford, for as long as he stays upright and maybe, maybe it's just facing a Seahawks pass rush that was non-existent. But as long as he stays upright, he's going to ball. That was really impressive. I became concerned about the lock part of this, which is a minor um, story to most every human except myself. But uh, early on, because I like to you, it's the overriding storyline of the entire. It, no, day. but it's like it's like you you're watching these things. It's more like when do you start to feel like maybe you um, didn't have all the information on the way that Sean McVay felt about his own roster, at least on offense for sure. But Jordan Rodrigue wrote that that opening sixteen play scoring drive 16 mm-hmm. plays 75 yards ate up a lot of time was 
about as physical, she wrote, as I've seen them play in years. And that, you know, if you think of, if you think back to when the Rams have been dinged, when they were like wiped out on Monday night that two couple years ago mm-hmm. by the Niners, was like, oh, maybe they're not as physical as some of these other teams that like that they go up against. It's like maybe they're rebranding what they are. This is one game, but it's like if you're gonna get that version of Stafford, and if these young guys grow around him, get cut back, like. They're not going to win three games. They're going to win more than that. They're going to win double that. Gino threw for 112 yards in this game on 26 attempts. Um, all we talked about through the summer, heard about, Greggy, in the summer was this is a team, the Rams, that had no names other than Aaron Donald that you really could bank on. And yet, they go up there, and Gino is the comeback player of the year last year. They shut down this passing game. I know DK Metcalf, I think he was three for 42nd, 47 and a touch in the second quarter. That's where he ended. Yes. They just shut the whole thing down, it the, seems like. I mean, the stats in the second half are preposterous. It was 257 yards to three until Pete Carroll, who knows people are box score checking, went for a nine-yard run with six seconds to go, you know, risking his running back getting hurt. Uh, so it ended up 257 to 12. That is <laughs> outrageous. It was four straight uh plays uh, four straight drives that totaled, I believe, three yards before that. They did get one first down somehow by penalty in that mix. And look, the first half actually kind of went as scripted offensively. They either scored or missed a field goal on every possession Seattle. So it wasn't like they looked off kilter the whole game. But I really think it was a complimentary offense defense performance here where the Rams kept going on these long touchdown drives, 16 plays. 10 plays, 14 plays. The Seahawks get the ball back. They're mostly passing. They lose both their tackles in this game, which is definitely, a, I think, a big part of what happened in the second half. Abe Lucas and Charles Cross, who, if you guys remember, mm-hmm. two rookie tackles who started all last year were a nice story. Both leave with injuries. Uh, one of them, I, I think it was Lucas on a cart. And suddenly, like, they could just couldn't get a first down. It was a little bit of pass rush. It was a little bit of timing. The the Rams rookie uh, linebacker, Byron Young, made a couple really nice plays. And suddenly at the end, it's this Rams pass rush teeing off on Geno Smith. It was like fourth and 40 or something on the last play. I couldn't believe it. It was, it was the most surprising thing I saw. I, I'm play. looking at the second half drive chart for Seattle. Five drives, two total yards. I mean, it's... From a Rams team that got looked like they were going to get run over, and like, what does this say about Seattle's defense, though? Right, and it, and the weird thing was that I I think the Rams are going to be so proud that they ran the ball forty times because they actually didn't run it very well per carry. I mean, Acres went twenty two for twenty nine, which is preposterous. Whoa! <laughs> uh, but they just kept sticking at it. And I think it was what Jordan Rodriguez was was talking about in terms yeah. of being physical. But you can only do that if you've got a freaking magician at quarterback playing lights out and saving you in a lot of third down situations. And that's what Stafford did. Man, the Rams, if if this is a sign of things to come, are going to make a lot of people look stupid. Because well, almost everyone. Well, yeah. this is, and I, and I mentioned it, historically a matchup that McVay has dominated. And even last year where the teams were so far apart, they, they, were, they were decided by one or two plays. And so I think it was a couple different things coming together. But if I'm the Seahawks, I'm very concerned about those tackles. And I'm very concerned my defense had no pass rush. That's the thing. If you give Matt Stafford time, he can cut you up. And they, they just had nothing going on getting after him. So maybe it's the O-line for the Rams, too, getting better. Here's the other thing before we move on. I always liked your theory, Greg. There, what, what's your number you put out? There's five or six or seven NFL head coaches who matter, who make a difference. Mm-hmm. Rams have one of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe we shouldn't count them out. Let's see what happens. It's just one week. Let's take a break, actually. Should we take a break? Or should we keep going? 
Probably sneak another one in. All right, let's sneak another one in. Yeah. We're flying. Blew through. You blew through uh, one of those games pretty quickly. I think it was uh, the Raiders game. Oh, now the Raiders game. Now quick. we're going to hear from them. They're, yeah. Oh, you blew now, through our game. Oh, we, what, what other podcast has been talking up your good defense for a month? You came through Raiders. Leave it defense. in. Raiders, enjoy your moment. Get off our ace. First down at the 26-yard line of the Colts. The clock is at 4:15. Right, this is ETN. Tries to bounce it outside. He's got a little bit of room. 20, 15 yard line. He iced it. Touchdown. They have extended the lead. How good is that? (laughs) 26 yard touchdown run. Holy mackerel. Frank Frangi with the call. He does the games with uh, Jeff Lagerman. Nice, nice little pass rusher for the Jets back in 92. Otherwise, dark days. W-O-K-V. Still remember, working. Remember Lagerman? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Travis Etienne's 26-yard touchdown run with 4.08 to play. That was the clincher for the Jags, who overcame a costly gaffe, G-A-F-F-E, <laughs> from Tank Bigsby, and uh, a 31-21 win over the Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. Mark, we'll get to Anthony Richardson's debut in a bit. Let's start with what you saw from the defending South champs. Uh, a weird game, like not certainly not the heights that we witnessed. Uh, like the flawless Trevor Lawrence performances down the stretch last year took them a while to get going. They weren't really running the ball very well early on. They were struggling on third down. Um, at the Colts, I didn't expect this from the Colts, but they they really like uh, made life tough for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, mm. and, and it started with I, who I think will be the AFC Defensive Player of the Week, whether or not they won the game or lost. DeForest Buckner, who even when you just see him on television, looks like a front door coming at you. Sure. Um, a sack, a forced fumble. There was a wacky play where like the ball was tipped to Lawrence pass, and it kind of hit the ground, and everyone sort of stood around looking at it. Then it's like, this isn't a dead ball. No one blew a whistle, and Buckner picks it up and just rumbles I, in for a that touchdown. Was the gaff I was uh, Th- referring to. I'm gonna put a sandwich on Buckner, not defensive player of the week. I, I like TJ Watt's chances. He's just on the, fine. He's on the Colts, and he gave they gave up 31 points. It's not his fault. Uh, he, they're I, just I, weird. I about would just that. say for your own like enjoyment, go watch him. Just it was a dominant performance, and like from a team that most people wrote off. Uh, the, but the, but Lawrence made some str- some throws down the stretch, and the biggest story for them is that Calvin Ridley looked phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ate for he 101 back. and a touchdown, and there was a couple plays where it's like, I don't know what he was doing last year or what he did this offseason, but his because remember he played that entire season on what he said was a broken a version of a broken foot yes. and still like 1,000 yards. Like He looked as fast as I've ever seen him. Um, he's a complete, immediate, rain-making difference maker for the Jaguars, mm-hmm. but they're going to have better days than today. Don't say rainmaker with Calvin Ridley though. That that is something yeah, he did I'll last year. Well, that's that's actually very fair. That, I'll say, that I'll say what I please, but you're right. I was trying to make that, that, was, that, a, connection, that was a so. tricky one. That was a tricky one. But he looked great. Um, Anthony Richardson. He exited the game in the final minute, um, which is not ideal. It looked like he was standing on the sideline, not anything too serious. What did you see from him overall? He, I thought he pretty good box score. Yeah, you know what? I thought that like for all the concept that it's gonna, it, no matter what, it's gonna take him so long to kind of look comfortable and the accuracy issues. Um, well coached today, but like made some throws. Uh, showed that he could kind of hit people all over the field. Had a pretty, uh, a couple great runs. He had a touchdown run. There was a one on one where he just blew up the middle of the team, like on an RPO, just run for 12 yards. Like he's going to be doing this all year. And I think that out of the gate, because I think Greg, you mentioned this, like 
Is it a disadvantage to get the Colts early, even if they're not a good team? Because you don't know what you're preparing for mm. with Richardson. Um, the one thing that I thought, like Shane Steichen, is going to realize just doesn't carry over necessarily from his Eagles days. They were one for five on fourth downs, and they tried to do the butt push with Richardson. He was stuffed. Um, they had a couple. They, that it just didn't look as clean. Deion Jackson, you know, they miss. They miss obviously Taylor and Deion Jackson had a bad fumble on and fourth Zach and Moss. one. Yeah, they miss them all. Like he had two fumbles in this game, and so it's these little things where like the Colts deep into it is like they're going to win this thing. Like the, the Jaguars just aren't separating wow. themselves. Wow. Yeah, they were deep. winning what halfway through the fourth quarter. They just looked. They looked like they could steal as they did I, last year. I thought Steichen was a little asleep at the switch too. They had a 17 play drive late in the fourth fourth quarter. They're down 10. They get stopped. Uh, they're in the they're in field goal range. Uh, you can get it to seven and then kick it away and then maybe get a stop and have a chance to tie. They went for the the seven, didn't get it, and it was over. Yeah, they're just they're just thin, and uh, they had 16 non Anthony Richardson carries on the day. For 25 yards, and the whole the whole the whole idea is Steichen. I think eventually is going to bring a good running game, and, and Richardson will be a force multiplier. But for now, that's rough. Although they did get your boy Jake Funk into uh, an NFL game here. They got him in hey, 22. They don't, they don't have any yards. Options, so. Alec Pierce, their second receiver, also got hurt, and they're also they're, they're a little thin at receiver to begin with. Yeah. Jake Funk. Jake Funk. Jake Funk. Jake Funk. Jake Funk. Forget about Jake Funk. Five yards per carry. It's about Big Funk. Behind the glass, Randy Chavez. (sighs) Anything else, Mark? No. I'd say go watch it for yourselves and type up your own. What was the injury to Richardson exactly near the end of the game? I don't know. Like they didn't, they weren't clear about that. It was like he kind of walked. He 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 left the field all right. It wasn't like he was ostensibly the game's on the line. It's, like a, it's still it in the like balance, a, and they he's not on the field. It's no, Gardner Meade. I, I think they're playing it safe with him, but I okay. We'll wait and see. What's one of those little wins too, where it's like they were trailing here. It's like at the end of the season when they're going to be hoping to win this division and battling for seeds. It's like nice. Put it in your pocket. Put it in your pocket. Put it in your nice, pocket. Put, nice, take put a in walk. Your pocket win. Put it in your pocket. Take a walk. Yeah, it wasn't an escape, but they they just it took them a while to heat up. To Baltimore we go. Beckham to the left. Flowers to the right. Now Flowers goes in motion to the left. Jackson inside handoff. Justice Hill spins in for six. Touchdown Ravens. That works too. Same speed sweep look. Taking it to Zay. Giving the ball back into a counter. Coming back across the field. Finding their rhythm, though, in the second half for this Mm. offense. And after the defense stops the Texans on a fourth and one, the offense cashes in. Mm -mm -mm. Jerry Sandusky with Rod Woodson on the call. W-B-A-L. Justice Hill scored twice in the second half after J.K. Dobbins exited with an Achilles injury. More on that in a second. Mm. The Ravens pull away. 25-9 win over the Texans. Baltimore had just 265 total yards in this game. Lamar turned the ball over twice, but... The defense did the job against C.J. Stroud in his NFL debut. Um, Greg, the Ravens bank a win to start the year, but at a serious cost. Yeah. We have uh, unfortunately lost J.K. Dobbins here for the season. It's a torn Achilles, according to our guy Ian Rappaport. I mean, Rappaport, and this is one of those injuries that you know right away, had that thing before they came out of halftime. And, you know, the injury was late in the second quarter. I'm just thinking, man, what a deflating 
way to like come out of the locker room if you're John Harbaugh, who probably ha- at least had that information, even if the teammates didn't. And then by the end of the game, uh, Ronnie Stanley, who to me is a real bellwether for this team, leaves with a knee injury, although they don't think it's serious. And I did see him kind of celebrating later in the game, so that's a good sign, but he's getting an MRI. Marcus Williams, their great safety, is getting an MRI. And then their starting Jeez. center, Tyler Linderbaum, got his ankle rolled up. Just eyeball test that Linderbaum one did not look great either. So uh, a lot of positives for the Ravens and then major negatives there. Here's a uh, Harbaugh on uh, Dobbins, who you may recall was trying to get a contract ahead of this year and now kind of a devastating personal setback. JK has a torn Achilles, unfortunately. So that's uh, going to end his season. That's just feel bad for him. It's not the way uh, we expected this to go. And uh, he's worked really hard, but JK is a strong minded individual. He's got a big heart. Very large spirit, and he's going to bounce back from this as well. I mean, so Torn Achilles also leaves in question what he'd even look like when he returns, you know, a year from now, if it's then. What? Like, you've lost your best running back. Um, wait and see on two-fifths of your offensive line. We already talked about the, how, how, like, shallow this cornerback group was. So to lose your safety behind them, it's like we're three or four hours into their season, and – they're in tatters. Yeah, I think they survived training camp for once without major injuries, and they'll come out of this hoping that Dobbins is the only one that's really long term. But that's uh, that's what we'll have to wait till to Monday to find out. These could be multiple week injuries. The the positive is some of the things they talked about all off season in the receiver room. To me, bore fruit. I mean, Zay Flowers. They they've missed on so many of these draft picks over the years with the wide receivers. And as long as he's healthy, man, Zay Flowers is a hit. We don't okay. need to, we don't need to see anymore. Seven for or nine for seventy eight. And man, it was nice to have an offensive coordinator creatively mixing up touches for a specific receiver. In this case, Flowers. Rock and pop. And a guy making plays for Lamar Jackson. Just like whenever they needed a play, Zay Flowers. Very much was the guy making it on his own. I do feel like Munkin's got to work on his uh, when they because he's up in the booth. He's not a sideline guy like they cut up to him. And I know things were a little shaky out of the gate. But every time they showed Munkin, he looked kind of frazzled and nervous. It's like, I just got to work on like, I got this under control. He just struck me that way because I think like, I don't. They were a little frazzled offensively. Like this game, the score and everything, it was it wasn't that competitive. But they only had 265 yards of offense. Lamar was kind of sloppy. I mean, he had an interception. He had he had two fumbles. Uh, it wasn't like the cleanest offensive performance, but their defense was too good. What did you see from Stroud in his debut? I actually saw a lot of good. I think he made five or six throws in this game that just made you excited if you're a Texans fan. Their offensive line, though, was a total mess and didn't give him a chance uh, for much of the game. Like, there was a lot of pressure on him. I think if you're a Ravens fan, David Ajabo, who they were hoping uh, could make some impact, stepped up Adafi Owe. Like, their pass rush really got after it. They had an injury on their offensive line, too. But Stroud made some big clunking mistakes and some really nice plays, too. All right. And by the way, Odell Beckham, back in the league. Did he look like Odell? Two catches, yes. He didn't have a catch until late in the third quarter, but he did have two nice catches and drew two pass interferences. Bateman had a couple plays. It was like they, they did enough where it's like, okay, you, you see the beginnings of it. All right, so we'll uh, head from Baltimore to Minnesota where the Vikings set an NFL record going 11-0 and in one-score games. Uh-oh. Spoiler alert, another one-score game started their 23 season. But with a different outcome. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Buccaneers line up in a shotgun formation. Third down, 10, two minutes left. 
The snap good. Bell high. The throw. Far side. And it's caught ball. Is it inbounds? It is Godwin. inbounds. And Godwin has a huge catch on third down and 10. Yeah. It's a diving catch on the far sideline. And the Buccaneers catch. can ice this game now. And this is a 10-yard speed out. The defender has his back to the sideline. And Godwin makes a fingertip catch just beyond the first down marker. And he should be able to run it out from here. Gene Deckerhoff with the call WFUS. Baker to Godwin. You didn't hear that a lot in this game, but when it mattered most, the two connected on the strike that iced a 2017 win for the Bucks over the Vikings. So, yeah, and it would be very, very on brand for this particular star-crossed franchise, the Vikings, to go winless in one-score games this year. Just putting it out there. <laughs> All right. Just putting it out there. That's rude. Uh, well, uh, let's start with the, the Bucks. There's a lot to get to with the Vikings in this game. My God. But let me start with Baker, who looked utterly lost uh, with the rest of the offense early in this game. Uh, but it all kind of changed on their last possession before halftime. Like, the Vikings kept leaving the door open with with dumb turnovers and not taking full advantage of, of opportunities. So there was this uh, feeling that a game that the Vikings were totally in control of, well, it wasn't. So it was only 10-3 when Baker takes over and goes right down the field 61 yards in 90 seconds and hits Mike Evans in stride for a touchdown pass, gets a, the game tied at half. Then he comes right out after the half. And then Baker, and this is the thing we know about Baker, Baker is a very inconsistent quarterback who's prone to long lapses of ineffective play, but he'll get hot. He mm-hmm. gets a little hot. Yep. And when he starts feeling himself a little bit, um, some of those gunslinger throws seem to find uh, open receivers and the offense can start to move. So back to back, he goes 16 plays, 75 yards for a touchdown, uh, this time to Trey Palmer, seven yards. And all of a sudden they go from down 10-3 to up 17-10. Um, the Vikings pull even. Um, in the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter, but then their offense just kind of goes to sleep. They can't find a way to make it work. And um, the Bucks kicked the uh, 57-yard field goal. I thought Chase McLaughlin kind of bailed out Todd Bowles on a fourth and three that I thought they should have gone for it. But sometimes that's, you, that's such a Todd Bowles decision. Sometimes, though, like I say that, and it is very Todd Bowles, and I felt like they should have gone for it, but Man, kickers hit 57 yarders now, and it's in the dome in the perfect conditions, and he hit it, and then they made it stand up after the the Vikings go three and out on offense. Brian Flores' defense needs to get a stop to get the ball back, and he can't do it. And that was this game, uh, the Bucks getting hot on offense, and then the defense finding a way to kind of shut down Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, and they kind of steal one here in Minnesota. I, I saw Mayfield also convert um, with his legs on a very Baker Mayfieldish run. Yes, I got this. I think he's obviously just fuels off of emotion and self emotion, what's going on around him, and probably all the doubts of people that just sort of wrote him off entirely. Um, I I don't think this any of this happens without these Vikings turnovers, though. Yeah, they had three turnovers in the first half alone. Mm. They had an offsides. Uh, on defense uh, on fourth and less than five that took a three-point field goal off the board and led to the touchdown in the third quarter uh, by Tampa Bay. That you know, look at the final score. That was that was uh, painful, and uh, it was just it's that thing. And you look at the you look at 
This is the thing about the Vikings. Oh, my God, they'll just drive you crazy. Kirk Cousins, 33 of 44, 344 yards, averaging nearly eight yards an attempt, two touchdowns a pick, pass rating over 100. That's always a good pass. It's always a good box score. But then the game, you watch the game, and it just it doesn't all come together. And the first ru- the game plan uh, in terms of a running game without Dalvin Cook was very stilted. They averaged less than two and a half yards per carry on 17 rushes. Um, they couldn't find a way, even though Justin Jefferson finished with 150 yards, he got the bulk of that in the first half. They couldn't find a way to make it happen in the second half. And it was just a lot of frustration and a game they had, in my opinion, no business losing, but maybe the margin of error is not as big as I, I, I realized between Tampa Bay and Minnesota two teams that played a very close game and one came out ahead. What when, was technically the biggest upset of the week? Cause I think that the end closing line was bigger in this game than it was even for the lions or for the Rams, which, which were both big upsets too. But, but the Vikings, like this is regression, like in game form, cause they outgained them by like 120 yards and then they lose at the end. And there's a couple little plays, but like, didn't the Vikings win so many games like that last year where they looked like the, inferior team but they won it at the end and also if yeah. you're like we're coming off we're coming off a week okay uh we're like the lions uh everyone feels great about the lions you got to feel good about the packers and the vikings yeah who won the division last year it's like this is about as big of a letdown in week one as you could have imagined for them yeah they when they got the touchdown to tie it up at 17 uh they have two more possessions after that uh three and out Gain three yards and punt, three and out, gain three yards and punt. Wow. And uh, and I'm not going to put it on Flores or the D, but then they couldn't get the ball back in those uh, last four minutes of game time. So it was just kind of the whole team did not have an ability to seize the moment. So while this doesn't make me feel necessarily bullish about the Bucks, it, it does plant a seed of doubt about the Vikings and everything that went well last year. What if things, what do they call it, regression? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The regression of it all. And and then if Claybon was next to me, he would say that has nothing to do with last season and this is this season. Well, I don't know. This exist is like a... and all that stuff. But I don't know. Sports, it's funny how things tend to balance out in the I don't, I don't think Claybon should like maybe world. maybe just like like all of us stay quiet on one of the few off season narratives that we all sort of hit on. The Vikings are a regression. Yeah, are you candidate. telling the imaginary Claybon? To no, I'm be just quiet? saying if he's listening to this, I think yeah. there's a little more mathematical, like lot of Claybon attack. Going on the regression. I don't want to put Pat in a situation where he can't answer to these comments. However, um, yeah, the Vikings won a lot of games like this last year, and this one they didn't. And mm. I think that building's emptying out in Minnesota today, and they're like, "Wait, how did we lose that game?" And right. last year, every time there was a game like this, it was like, wow, how do we win that? They did. <laughs> well, one more weird note. This is courtesy of Next Gen Stats. Rashad White of the Bucks recorded a negative 38 uh, rushing yards over expectation in this game. It's hard to do. Under expectation, I guess, would be the, the way to do it. But I, I know that's how they say it. That's, uh, that's a tough spot. That's I don't know even spot. how that works. That's beyond me. But that seems like something that would be hard to do. From that angle, it's an achievement. Minus 38. Did he just trip and fall a couple times? I'm not sure. That one's, you know what? I'm going to, Greggy, I'm going to put you on that one. He finished <laughs> I, 17 wa- for 39. I got I to say, when I watch this game, and I'm curious, for, for a second I thought maybe this would be a good uh, NFL Plus uh, next day watch because it was so weird. But when I watched this one, 
uh, on Game Pass and NFL Plus. I, I will keep an eye on how he lost 37 yards. Thank you. Under expectation. And then we could reconnect uh, ahead of. Because he only uh, gained 39, so that's like that's a lot. There's a lot. There's well, a lot to break. Down. Maybe they put the wrong person on that grade. <laughs> Let's take a break, and uh, we will finish out the games. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, let's head to the bayou. Greg, I went to Tulane. Gotcha. Is <laughs> That's you. That old one. How about the green the wave? They they won this weekend, didn't they? The they did not. Oh, they didn't. They did not. They did. And that is going to be a touchdown to Rashid Shaheed. Great name. Speaking of great names, little Jordan Humphrey scored a touchdown today. In Denver. Friend of the show. Yeah. Yes. Kind of. Uh, Mike Keith with the call. WGFX. Derek Carr in his Saints debut. Passed for 305 yards and a touchdown. And a 41-yard pass to that man, Rashid Shaheed, on 3rd and 6 in the final minutes. Helped the Saints run out the clock in a 16-15 win over the Titans. Who was on this one? I was. Greggy, uh, we just talked about a, a Vikings team and fan base that are sick about losing this game. I saw some angry Titans fans, maybe Gravedigger in my feed uh, and others. How do we not find a way against the Saints in this one? This was There were some questionable calls, and, and we can get to that. But the Titans fans should stop crying because Uh-oh. sometimes the game is won by who has the guts. You know, who's the bold team? And after getting beaten down in the first half, Derek Carr took four sacks and eight QB hits in the first half alone. This is outrageous. Wow. He came back strong Thanks. in the fourth quarter. And I want to compare him to what Mike Vrabel did. Late in this game, they had a second and 14. They're leading by a point there. Derek Carr's first game of the Saints. The, the Titans are, are running short on timeouts. You think that the Saints would run the ball then? No, they have faith in Derek Carr. They throw it on second and 14. Eight yards to Michael Thomas. Okay, then it's third and medium. You think maybe they'll run, maybe they'll throw. We'll see. They dial it up 41 yards down the field to Rashid Shahid with the one-point lead, and they get it done. And comparing that to Mike Vrabel, who had one of the most cowardly field goals I've ever seen on the 11-yard line with two and a half minutes to go, to me, that was different. The, The Titans played not to lose. The Saints played to win. And the Saints defense, to their credit, did not allowed touchdown picked off Ryan Tannehill three times sacked him three times mm-hmm. stopped Tennessee on 10 of 12 third down plays speaking of grave digger our former producer shout out to Justin uh, he said he thought it was Tannehill's worst game ever as a Titan I mean Tannehill has been underrated as a Titans quarterback from wire to wire and I, I've always thought that like he was more fun to watch in my type of passer than others out there but when I see the three picks and 11 passes defensed um, was it Tannehill just like, is he, is he at the end or does he, is he working with a cast of receivers who aren't getting open for him I mean, on some it, level too? 
the receivers maybe weren't that open, and he definitely forced some in there. To DeAndre Hopkins, almost felt like desperate, but it was a nightmare game. If any, if either of those guys behind him, Willis or Levis, played well in the preseason, it was such a bad game. You'd already be here and talk about it because he had the three picks. There were two more that were dropped, and then there were two more plays that they dialed up. Uh, one was a, kind of a flea flicker type of play where they passed it back to Tannehill, and it, it was a touchdown to Oconquo, and Tannehill just Saw missed that. him. And then later, uh, I think it was the fourth quarter, they dialed up another like nicely designed play, and they get Tajay Spears, who looked really good in limited work. It was on the field quite a bit, wide open down the field. Tannehill missed that too. So in Mike Vrabel's defense, uh, for a little context, that that field goal that he kicked, it was fourth and six from the Saints' eleven yard line, down four, with two and a half minutes to go. Oh, and that's no, still no, no, wild. No, no, and no, so no, no, maybe, no, no, no. but what was I gonna say is like maybe it was just like my quarterback stinks right yeah, now. Like zero confidence it, that they're gonna right. So that. I'm gonna kick uh, the field goal. But you've been through the wars together, and, and you got, you got down DeAndre to the Hopkins on your team now, one of the great red zone receivers of the last fifteen years. I throw no a ball confidence. up. Go and, win a had, ball game. and to be fair to Tannehill, you had two fairly long drives in the fourth quarter. Both of them ended in field goals, but he got them down there with with some nice throws. He just kept throwing it into tight windows, and I just, it was I tough to watch. I, like I don't come out of this like uh, whatever. I I'll, I want to examine this deeply, but like the Derek Carr experience, I've been, I just it's been saying I think it's going to be frustrating for Saints fans when they go through it from week to week, and like I don't know, I don't. This was what are we kind dealing of, with here? Like, yeah, but this was kind of it, though. Like, he he was disappointing the first half, and there was a play he made in the fourth quarter where a Titan almost took his life. He hit him so hard, and Carr put it right on the money. Okay. And then in money time, he, he puts it to Shahid. So after such a brutal first half, where I, where I kind of was um, – Having similar comments, Mark. I mean, we on, were talking about it a little on bit Twitter. First yeah, half, he was you know? frustrating me. He struggled, but the fact that he kind of bounced back from that and played well at the end, uh, you got to give it up to him. Uh, Chris Olave, eight for one twelve two. By the way, offensive player of the year candidacy is alive. Uh, <laughs> to your point about the brutality, Carr said that was one of the more physical games I've played in my ten years. We showed that we could win the ultimate physical type of game. Well, we'll see about that. Right. His offensive line needs to have it not be so physical. His left tackle, Trevor Penning, got worked by Arden Key. Over Titans now. just got to be better on offense. Uh, Henry didn't break the big one, and, you know, obviously Tannehill's got to play better. And How did Hopkins look? Did he make any plays where he looked like old New Hopkins, Hopkins, or was he some old tough, New Some Hopkins. tough contested catches, but not a lot of separation there. 13 targets, 7 catches, 65 yards. They just don't have a lot of other players on this team. Traylon Burks, 2 for 18. All right, let's head to Atlanta, A-Town. You've got Algier and Smith and an eye. you got two yeah. tight ends, Pitts and Smith. And here's the give to Algier, a little bonky, but Tyler will score. Left side goes Tyler Algier, and he bangs home his second touchdown of the day. Boy, Bang it home. I like that. Right Bang ball. it home. They countered with that five <laughs> oh, look at Arthur look. Smith. <laughs> Burns, who's been a nightmare today. Arthur Smith looks like he's going down the conference table after a uh, FedEx quarterly meeting. No, he looks we just great. scored three billion for the week. <laughs> no. Oh, uh, West Durham with the call. WZGC. Yippee. Tyler Algier. Supposed afterthought after the arrival of Bijan Robinson, but not so. Outtouched the rookie phenom. 
scored twice. Was the goal line guy. What? You know what? I am convinced <laughs> that Arthur Smith is a terrorist, at least in the <laughs> fantasy realm. I have what been is this hearing this man all day long. Doing? Like, I, he's got two good running backs, and they'll both get used. Okay, but. I mean, Bichon got like 83 yards yeah, and a Bichon touch and six like, catches. 24 10. Okay. Falcons over Panthers in a game uh, that, a take care of business game. For the- yeah, I see you burying this down at the very back end of the lineup. That's cool. Is this a, was this a game that deserved higher placement? I enjoyed it. Um, Greg enjoyed <laughs> it, I know, for certain reasons. I would say this after all the buzz. Um, a very slow start for the Falcons. I, I can, I think you're you're right. He's going to continue um, Arthur Smith to annoy people because it's like, how long does it take to get Kyle Pitts into the game? Why are we not giving Bijan Robinson the Drake ball? Drake London, a zero times? catches. Drake London, one target. He did not. But I think part of this problem, I've not <laughs> seen a start to a game like this. Um, Desmond Ritter, at one point, pretty deep into the first half, was four for four. Four completions for zero yards. His first <laughs> uh, pass, which was a bit uh, ominous, um, was a negative six-yard completion to himself. Uh, <laughs> then he threw a pass to Bijan Robinson, who was stopped for six negative six yards. Then he got 12 yards on the next two. It just went on and on where it was like they couldn't get uncorked. But I will say Tyler I didn't Algier, realize they count that, Mark. What? So it, in the box score, it is Desmond yeah. Ritter, yeah. one catch for minus well, no, six. For a, for a while, it was like he was one for one for negative six yards. I was like, I love this. This is cool. Although I don't love it for like what it means. Um, Ritter was not a disaster, but there's a lot. They need to uncork like Pitts in London and have that be part of their game. I think the thing that I saw, though, if you want to like project this out, you do have two running backs. Tyler Algier, Algier um, on a second big run in a Your row. Your guy. Well, he's my guy, Tyler but you know what? Algier. Algier is officially uh, your guy. <laughs> yeah, he like I I could see it in his eyes a little that was bit. A good bit that he's sort of just been written off as like now you have Bijan like this this guy who was the best rookie runner a year ago is just simply an afterthought. Like they use they need them both. Bijan Robinson though, it's he's gonna have bigger box scores than this. It's the running. Like he had a couple runs where you're just like, oh, absolutely, he's the guy. He's he is gonna be what they think. But it's also like the ability to throw it to him in the flats. There was a play where, like, if you aren't on him in one second, he just took that instant, juked backwards, juked around you, and off he's gone. And it's like, they, I think it's going to take a little bit of time. They almost have, like, I don't want to say too many weapons because it's not going to look like that when you see this. I don't think they have the right quarterback for all that. But if they get if they can't get in their flow and you get to a point where, like, all these guys are involved, there's a lot to handle. Um we can get to the Bryce Young part of it, too. But this Falcons defense, both defenses made it tough on the opposing quarterback. But I saw something different with this Falcons defense. Well, the Falcons only had 221 yards of offense. At one point, I remember, uh, you know, the, the Panthers were out getting him like 220 to 80. Yeah. But Bijan, just it was that a slow start, that stop start on the touchdown, just right? chef's kiss. I mean, that's all you need to see. That's special. Good. How was Bryce Young? You know what else is good, by the way? Well, while we have a little break in the action, I locked up this Falcons team over here on Falcons Corner. Damn, we got to should have joined we, we me. Got to do something about this. If you wanted uh, yeah, a not more a great start to the season if, for the locks, could you create a more annoying start to the season than than I hit? I hit my lock, and everyone else goes zero and one. No, we could, like to answer your question. No. We could not create a more that annoying is, start. No, you're definitely as annoying as possible right now. Thank you. Thank but you. credit to you, you got an early lead. Early lead. It's very, very early, very early, but that's that take Let's it. Not go, take uh, it. you know, taking out your lollipop just yet for a lick. You don't, 
It's not time. It's just when it's when it's when you when you won it last year and then everyone a goes up. Of the I'm just saying it's oh, it's it's rare to have a week like. We want to talk about like Bryce Young or more about Greg. No, just had to get it. Uh, okay, what did you see from Bryce? I was up and down. Um, I he had he, Jesse Bates, who was looks like he's going to be an incredible offseason addition for the Falcons. Picked him off twice. The first one, I just mm. he just didn't see Jesse. He just didn't see the field. And the second one was as bad. And uh, like he he nearly threw another bad pick into coverage. Um, he attempted a couple deep balls that were I don't know if it was a wide receiver thing, but they were overthrows. Um, at the, the, to say all that though, I still think that there's something about him. Like there was zero panic. Like he made some throws too, and he let a touchdown drive at one point. Like that, like he had a nice throw to Hayden Hurst. There was just a calm to him, even at the end of the game. I almost it was like a lack of urgency, but I really just think as a rookie, it was more like he was doing what Frank Reich wanted. Um, you could see it, and it's like I am totally willing to be patient with him. Hey, Hayden Hurst, come back to me. Uh, you have a very celebrated young man as your quarterback, a high-profile rookie. You catch his first touchdown pass, and you fire the ball into the second level. It was not the right thing to do. They got it back. They got it back, though. Yeah, but, I, I mean, he created that. Eight people probably had to go do all that to get the ball back, you know, and a yeah. fan's annoyed. Anything else on this one, Mark? I mean, I think we can uh, – Brian Burns was uh, <laughs> awesome. I just think – I think You don't like, have to say no, it. No, 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 but I think – He like, had done a nice job Fal- about it. The Falcons, <laughs> like, I, I get it. They didn't go blow their doors off, but I just think it's weak. It was a very weak one – Scenario. This is a Falcons type of game. I mean, even if if even if this season goes exactly as we hope, there's going to be a lot of games like this. Yeah. All right. So you got your little gimme against the Panthers. Packers next week. I like that. Fun one. That's a that's a test with a potential team of around the NFL waiting in week three. Wow. So a lot, a lot to be settled. Let's head to Landover. Twelve minutes to go. Third and goal at the seven. Three wide receivers to the right, to the right, one to the left. Antonio Gibson flares out to the right. Cardinals bring four. Hal's got a good pocket. Steps up, and now he's gonna have to run for it at the five. Cuts back into the end zone. Touchdown! Touchdown, Washington! Sam Howell, a seven-yard scamper. A little bit of redemption for Sam. It's been a rough game for him. You love to see the young quarterback be able to put some points up on the board. Sam Howell. That's Bram Weinstein and Julie Donaldson on WBIG. Uh, scrambles and the Washington Commanders avert a disaster in week one. Let's call it like it is, where the tanking Cardinals ahead in the fourth quarter before that Howell scramble, um, allowing them to get out of town with a 20-16 to win over the Cardinals. Uh, Greg... What did you see from Hal? You are high on these commanders. Was your faith shaken at all by their performance in week one, despite getting the dub? Yeah, a little bit. Howell was such a roller coaster that I was just thinking, this will be fun, but uh, a little worrisome that it was this much of a roller coaster, even against the Cardinals. I mean, he had to find the roller coaster. Yeah, like what makes it? Um, he had a bad pick. He had a very Baker Mayfield in uh, fumble. It was a lot. It actually, right. a lot Mayfieldian. of it was Baker Mayfieldian. Mm. I don't know. That's not a word. Uh, the good and the bad. Like, he was just trying stuff. Like, after he made the bad fumble, though, though, he had some darts that he almost shouldn't have tried to get some points late in the first half. And then you see him with the rushing touchdown that ultimately gets him the win. So it was just like, it was it was a lot. That was what I would say was my Sam Howell experience. But I think it'll be a fun watch. That he didn't, he didn't dissuade me from that. 
So it wasn't like uh, you weren't spooked by it. It was more just like, oh, this is going to be a roller coaster. Yes. I mean, maybe the Cardinals defense will be better than expected. I did not expect them to be winning 16 to 10, you know, in the fourth quarter of this game and, and really limiting. But credit to Washington's defense played quite well. They were put in bad spots throughout the game. There was a sequence when the Cardinals had the ball up 16, 10, where it was like negative one run. Uh, Dobbs then sacked for four and then Montez sweat forced the fumble with a sack and that led to that short field Sam Howell touchdown and the commander's defense kind of took over in the second half of this game even though they put up 16 points like the the commander's defense was pretty great this was one of those games where like uh, I heard someone talk about the fact they were in a survivor pool with like 380 people and like 80 or 120 of them had picked Washington. What? It's like you would just love to see that thing get torched down. I kind of felt myself like rooting for Arizona just to yeah. say, F you to everyone. You've been telling us all off season that we stink up the joint, we're terrible, and they're on the doorstep of winning. Uh, I do think Josh Dobbs, like I, I'm looking at the box score. It's not like he's amazing or anything, but like he's competent. He was competent. I was thinking it would be a tough Too situation. competent? If you're trying to get the number one pick? I mean, he has too No, competent? no. Yeah. Make him disappear. He, he's Find the, someone here. He's the perfect level of competence. <laughs> okay. Because, I mean, he, let's be real. He averaged four yards per attempt here. I mean, it wasn't. That's it, not competent. He just, like, but he was under he was under duress. It was a lot of tough short spot. stuff. Hollywood Brown was open a couple times. But, yeah, shout out to Dennis Gardick, though, a couple couple big time sacks. I mean, like the sacks Howell would take were like 18 yard sacks. That's what I sort of mean. It was just like it was uh, wild, but they got through it and they won. Shout they out to five sacks. Shout yeah, out to did. Commandos fans, by the way, um, who filled that building. It was loud. Out. It was loud. It was the first game with uh, Josh Harris. Is that the owner now? That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were chants. Goodbyes to former owner Dan Snyder. You had a bunch of uh, legends show up that haven't been around lately. John Riggins, Champ Bailey, RG3. Gr- speaking of RG3, there's a lot better energy, Griffin said, per the AP. The team doesn't have the distractions. The community is back together. There was something sneaky big about this win because that, with all that having been said, and there was a great vibe and the energy and everyone's going crazy, like when they were down 16-10 in the fourth quarter, I was like, man, this is a dark yeah, yeah, way for this yeah, to feel yeah. like all of this is just more of the same. So even if they have a slightly disappointing, right. the fact that this is the first game is nice. You could just picture, you know, <laughs> Snyder in some balcony with a giant, like, cigar cackling if they uh, <laughs> would have found a way to lose this game. But they did not. And as a result, it's a new beginning for the Commandos. All right, which takes us to Sunday Night Football. The newly minted, re-signed, and enriched Graham Gano, oh, the uh, death. nine-year veteran, <laughs> just signed a new contract, will try a 45-yard field goal from the left hash. And that ball is mishandled. Blocked and picked up by the Cowboys defender on the right sideline. It is Noah Egan Benamaki, and he runs it in for a touchdown on Dallas. <laughs> Our friend Brad Sham, the Sham God, with the call, and you'll—he'll tell you who scored. Noah Igbignogni. Very nice, Greggy. One of the most grisly Sunday night affairs in the history of the game, at least on NBC. The Dallas Cowboys return a blocked field goal attempt, uh, 75 plus yards, and then just roll from there. To a 40-0 win over the New York Giants, which is 
I'll tell you what, boys. There are bad losses, and then there are... And we just we're talking about week one. It's just week one. And then there are losses like happened to the Giants tonight and your fan base filling up that building and then getting poured on. It's one thing to get your ass kicked <laughs> as a fan at a game, but then to get poured on. There's just something about that that's just a kick in the nards from God himself. Anyway, Mark, Cowboys roll in stunning fashion. And it was like every phase of the game put it to the Giants. They... The Cowboys had 26 points, 26 to nothing, and had only put up two field goals. So it's like it was a complete and total collapse to the point. Like, I know everyone's going to say uh, this is going to confirm everyone's, you know, issues and suspicions about New York. But I almost think this was one of these games. You had like, him at a playoff team. Well, but I think these are, this is one of these games that got so out of hand so early. Greg going with a little shot. And the weather, well, we'll see. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, let's all overreact to it. Like, I think it's, the Cowboys are came out ready to go, coached well in every possible way. Um, I'm beguiled by what I've seen from New York tonight because Brian Dayball was one of the better coaches around last year. I don't. The thing I don't get in this game, when you, if you're watching it visually, that it was an absolute downpour. It stops raining at some point, but the game is so far to hand, and we're watching Daniel Jones take a seventh sack like late in this thing soaking wet why why are any of these guys still That's in here the old i i can almost guarantee it and maybe they'll ask him about it after the game the old we just wanted to get something positive out of the end of the game that we could like roll into next week but i thought that was foolish and he got creamed a couple times Killed. and uh yeah but 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 for the cowboys uh greg this is a game that and we talked about it. like i picked the cowboys to win the division because when we're there in the summer and we look at their mm. roster. It's like it's all there. Like this is we've been waiting for this team to get over the hump for years and years and years. Uh, then a, then you see a performance like this, and you're like, okay, you could see it. You could see right. the path to greatness for this team. Right. To to Mark's point, this, we're nobody's underdog. They're oh, not. No. They're not anybody's underdog. Like yes, it's somewhat fluky that you get Igbenogany running up the silence. Just, tra- just bragging. Just traded for him, by the way, for Kelvin Joseph. I mean, that, that worked out nice. Nice move. And then you get a, uh, they called it a pick six on Daniel Jones, but it was ultimately a, a drop by Barkley. I thought, thought it should have been a catch and a fumble. That's returned for, for six. But that doesn't explain the 12 quarterback hits, the eight passes defense, the seven sacks, uh, everything they did defensively to Daniel Jones, who Threw the ball 28 times and had 104 yards. Oof. I mean, there was a point in this game. Let's take you back to a more innocent time. Sure. And you're right. Like, sure, it's only week one and things could change. I'm not writing it off no, as no. a non-event. All I, all I mean think, is like, these fans can't get tonight back and the next week back. No. Like, that was just the most miserable experience possible that, like, that happened and that was terrible. Uh, but there was a point in this game. Uh, they had, had a perfect first drive. They had they were running the ball well. Saquon had a bunch of good runs. D- double block. It's third and two, and it all started with a Andrew Thomas false start, and then uh, the new rookie center throws a ground ball uh, for ends up getting sacked for Daniel Jones, and then it just goes freaking haywire. These were more innocent times back then in the first quarter. Like Chris Collinsworth was really talking yeah, up, to like talking up like this Giants running game and what, how it's going to be tough for the Cowboys all night. And NFL's dying on Park Avenue. You know, they oh, circled yeah. this as a big opener to the season. Of Will Park they make eight. a profit this season? TBD. <laughs> they absolutely, absolutely lost the entire country by halftime because it was just an, it was a non-event. It was a non-competition. This from Andrew Siciliano. 
the great Siciliano, uh, via OptaStats. Cowboys have now beaten the Giants 11 out of the last 12 by a combined plus 389. This is no rivalry. This is one-sided, and it's butt-whipping. Not tonight. <laughs> Not tonight. Uh, and so the cow- the Cowboys are going to feel great, and the Giants, like, I again, there are losses, and then there's games like this where Dable's going to be really tested uh, because you, you want to flush this one. It's a classic bury the ball game. But to do it at home against a rival to no-show at this level, I mean, you couldn't ask for – we talk about, like, what better way for the Packers to start a new era? What worse way for the Giants mm. to try to build off last season's optimism with one of the all-time eggs for the franchise in primetime history? Well, and we, we grew up in Giants territory, and – you know, like we both have in, in Greg's, maybe less so up in Massachusetts, but like there are so many friends that I am just on text threads with who are Giants fans. And it's easy for us to say, hey, you know, be chill about week one. Look at it from a distance. It's a long season. Like this is your rival. You just got wiped 40 to nothing on television um, with the entire with, with the skies erupting on top of you. This is about as ugly as it gets after you spent all offseason trying to tell people Know that what we did last year as the Giants was more legitimate than you believed. That's what I believed. Well, the last time they were on the field, too, they weren't competitive against the division rival in a in a much bigger spot. The divisional yeah, shows you where they might be at playoffs. And I, I think they'll be better. And they're very lucky to have the Cardinals in week two. That's a perfect better. opportunity. Yeah, but then it gets it goes. It's then a, it goes 49ers, Seahawks, <laughs> Dolphins. Bills. I just mean you really are needing a win next week. And that's a good you chance. Say, I for, think they'll be better. They'll be better. <laughs> they will be better next they, week. They will be better. So so that's good. But the things I came into the season having concerns about, namely their pass protection, their explosive uh, plays on offense, and then their, their cornerbacks. And we didn't see a lot of that because Dak only had to throw the ball 24 times for 143 yards. But your, your boy Zaddy, uh, who's got to be feeling good right oh, now. You know, he, he had a couple of nice plays where they got CeeDee Lamb pretty wide open early. They just didn't need to do much. A couple of nice red zone plays, too. So they, they did everything they needed to do. Off I it. mean, that's a head coach prepares an entire team, and they dominated in every phase. And that Giants bar is subterranean right now. So Zaddy, they they will it. clear the bar next week and the weeks that follow. Well, there might be some bars filled with Giants supporters tonight. <laughs> yes. Soaked, soaking wet. I mean, it's one thing. You you lose. You go to the stadium. You pay $85 to park. You buy $20 beers. You, you tailgate for hours. You, you build a whole day around. You might even get a fight with your spouse because it's like, I thought you were just going to the game, but now you're leaving at 2 p.m.? What about the kids? What about the and then you come home at night and you're drenched and you're angry. Yeah. And guess what? You just punted Sunday to your wife or spouse. And now she's like, you're doing everything on Monday. Mm. And now Jet Life Stadium opens up I the next night. Wow. The other okay, Jets, okay, the other okay, New York okay, team. Okay, okay. Save it for and, the Monday know. night football recap. There we go. It could get worse. Just put it that way. Well, what's right. the weather report and you did not, night? And you did, yeah, you did not. Uh, you did not have a good time on top of all that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> when you when you disappear, it's like, I thought it was an 8 o'clock kickoff. It's like, yeah, but I got to go pick up Tom, and we got to stop over at ShopRite, and we got to do this and that. Like, uh-oh. I was going to say, this is the worst <laughs> the worst primetime performance. Work on that scenario. There was, <laughs> since there was a Josh Freeman game that was 
crazy. There was one against Cam Newton in prime time that was particularly dark, but this might be even this might be even worse. This might be even worse to start the season. I think Dan and I watched that Giants Cam Newton game. We did at that old bar in uh that rat hole. The west side. That old west side rat hole. Uh tomorrow's weather for guys. Who cares? Let's get out of here. Uh but before we do, a reminder that tomorrow, Monday, is a new era for around the NFL. We have our Monday reaction show. It's a shortened version of the podcast that just is almost like a a news rundown. The rundown. It's a news rundown of everything that in the old days, in the past for this podcast, we'd be sitting on for a day or two. Too long. And uh, now we are going to give you an instant reaction and the latest from uh, the fallout from Sunday's action, whether it's injury updates or press conferences, things that kind of slipped through the cracks today. Now we're going to be covered on Monday with a short show. Also, Monday night recap. Monday night football, Jets versus Bills. Oh, my God. I'm legitimately nervous. Um, uh, that is going to be um, something we hit tomorrow night. So you get a, two separate podcasts dropping into your feed. Keep up. It's okay. We don't have anything on Tuesday, so you have time to get through it all. And, yes, we had our first NFL Plus offering on Thursday. I thought it went well. The fans seemed to enjoy it. It was fun. Yeah. And uh, the people, uh, international uh, viewers, were wondering when it would arrive. It did land as we work out the kinks, and you were able to check it out, hopefully, by now. So check out that one. And we got another one every Monday. We have our NFL Plus exclusive game of the week. And the game of the week this week is Mark. Dolphins, Chargers. Bang. So we're going to watch that game together. Uh and we have uh, the with a condensed runtime of 74 minutes, I'm predicting now much shorter with like 30 to 40. Drew uh, Christensen, our super producer, will work with us on that, putting together a fun package, uh, reliving that game. And, and we'll react to oh, it as we watch together. I feel like we're missing a chance here, though. Well, I know that was what we had decided on, um, but that was before Cowboys 40. Giants. Nothing. Oh, we could I, per- I personally would yeah. love to relive this. Thought. I would imagine that. There's parts of your inner psyche that enjoy what happened. <laughs> I, my outer psyche is into it, too. It's all good. <laughs> Can't make up what happened, though, on those two days, those two Sundays in February. Nothing's going to ever change that. that sec- the second one. Can't change. People don't believe it, but the second one, that was one was even worse. Um, all right. So that's it. So two new podcasts on Monday and the NFL Plus for people that are subscribed uh, the NFL Plus uh, Monday Night Recap, and you can get that on DAZN as well, uh, international people. That's it. Thank you to Big Funk, Randy, and Eric Roberts and their maiden voyage together on this particular program. Not an easy one. Got to get Erica's sexier nickname. Eat the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.